Let's open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Um, what happens a few times, I was just talking to Ali this morning, is um, sometimes there's a cluster of a, a subject with talks and when I have a, a thought for a talk in amongst the cluster, I always double check, uh, thinking is it because I'm rolling these ideas around in my mind or is it actually for some reason that the Lord wants uh, the sheep to be fed? So uh, this kind of flows on from last Sunday and the title of this talk is Our Times. Um, it, yeah, it's just uh, an active time now, um, uncertainty um, and as spirit-filled people who are trying our best to walk in spirit and in truth, which is as uh, Suzette said, uh, God's always wanted people to walk in spirit and in truth. The spirit's so important, but so is knowing the truth and trying our best to uh, put it into practice. Um, so the title of this talk is Our Times, and have got a few scriptures here from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, when I read some passages, it's like King Solomon uh, who wrote it. Uh, he had amazing wisdom and insight, knowledge. He had an opportunity uh, to observe people's goings uh, and what people did. Uh, he had amazing wealth, so he had a lot of time to do this. And it's like you read Ecclesiastes, and I don't know, I, I think of King Solomon as someone who's just kind of dragging his hands around, oh, this is life, you know? <laughs> this is what life's all about. Uh, Ecclesiastes is so uh, good for an atheist um, in that, uh, well, what is life all about? It just all goes around in circles and uh, it just it seems meaningless to the surface. Um, and uh, so we'll read a few passages and uh, it's in the Bible for a reason. It's God-inspired uh, and there are gems, of course, in the book of Ecclesiastes like there is in every book, uh, but I can't help but think like that uh, when I read it. So chapter 1 and verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, King in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What's the point? What profit has a man of all his labour which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he rose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labour, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. So you can imagine Solomon here, and it's interesting what it says there in verse 8. It says, 
The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. We all desire to hear more things or see new things and be excited with these things. It just, uh, it just doesn't stop that desire in, in human beings. And we all have that. And uh, it's just this, okay, what's the point of it? The labour, we work, we get born, we, we work, we die, and the, the, the wind moves around, the, sea, the waters go back and forth, and generation passes after generation. <laughs> Um, it's quite a miserable start to the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. It covers a lot of things there. There's a time in our lives and the life of many other people through the generations for various things. It's the way it is. And uh, we are talking today about our times. So uh, we trust and believe that the Lord's got all things in hand. So now is the time for a pandemic. Now's the time. Now's the time for uh, uh, rumours of wars. Uh, it's time for famines. It's a time for these things around the world. And there's other places in the world that uh, there's a time to have abundance. Uh, it's, there's a time for all these things. A time for people to be born and there's a time for people to die. Okay? So the point I'm making and the point that Solomon's making here is there's a time for all these things and to be reassured that it will always be the case until the Lord comes back and not to fret ourselves and trying to change the times. You know, there's a time for all these things to impact us, and there's a time for these things to not impact us. It's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. And, uh, but the Lord wants to comfort us. That's the key, is when we read the Bible, and sometimes on the surface it's not providing much comfort at all. But that's what the Lord's trying to do, is giving us an understanding that there's a time for everything. And to comfort us that, hey, look, the time will come, the time will pass. You know, that there's always moments in our life and in generations past and generations to come. There's a time for this and there's a time for that. Uh, chapter 7 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10. And this here is an interesting little verse. Um, it took me a while to find it in my notes because I wrote it down quite a few years ago, but Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10, just one verse here, say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. And isn't that human nature? Oh, this generation's not as good as our generation. <laughs> or, oh, it was so much better back then. And uh, I mean, I, I still daydream, um, of course it won't happen, but I still daydream as being the first white fellow to Australia. 
you know, how wonderful that would be, you know. Uh, but we just don't know. We don't know the circumstances. Circumstances change and so forth. And, and it, it's an eternal problem of one generation complaining about the generation after. Oh, they're different. I remember reading a book about um, Sir James Mitchell. Uh, and uh, he was premier in Western Australia in the 20s. And apparently the people then, in the 1920s, were complaining about the next generation who were wasting all their time at drive-in theatres. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's always the case. And, uh, and that's what it says here. There's nothing new under the sun. Solomon wrote this. You know, even in Solomon's time, he, uh, he may have complained about the generation after. It's just the way people are. And what's striking in this verse, the second half, for thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. We're trying to change the times that we're in. Like We look back and we think, oh, it was better back then and what was good about it that we can introduce it today. And God's saying, no, that's not wise. There's a time for this and there's a time for that. It changes. And, uh, and we just need to be comfortable in, hey, this is the time we live in. This is our times that we live in and go forward and continue to do the work of the Lord uh, and draw upon the wisdom of the Lord and pray in the spirit, fellowship, read the Bible and be solid in these things so that uh, we're not concerned about the times that we live in, just about our relationship with the Lord. And we're concerned about that, the, the, uh, that we're preaching spirit and in truth. Okay, That's what the Lord wants us to be uh, inquiring wisely into. Um, last chapter, 12. And uh, Ecclesiastes, like I said, was the book that it is, uh, but it's got a brilliant conclusion. And I'm sure most of us know this conclusion. A uh, wonderful way of rounding up uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Not part of the matter, the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Okay? So the whole conclusion of the matter. Give us peace and confidence and comfort to fear God and keep his commandments. What a relief. What a relief. We have a mind and a desire to understand things and to change things in our life. That's the way we are. It's, it's not something to be embarrassed about. But the Lord's saying you can wrap yourself in circles, trying to find solutions, but just have peace. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's our duty. And so we see things happening. We have pressures around us today as well, all sorts of ideas around us today. But he's just saying fear God uh, keep his commandments. It's the whole duty of man. Um, uh, and it's just uh, so wonderful that the Lord can simplify things so well, isn't it? Back to Genesis chapter 16. Just to reinforce, there's nothing new under the sun. The title of this talk is Our Times. So when I read these verses, just think about it. Genesis chapter 6. And verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So today we look around and it seems to us that wickedness of man is great in the earth. It seems today that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil continually. We're learning more about what people get up to now. We're talking about that yesterday. You know, when uh, decades ago we didn't have access to information so readily, and so we're a little bit naive. Um, people were rat bags then, they're rat bags today, they're rat bags back in Noah's time. It's always been the case. And we read this and we can see that our times are the same. And, uh, but what's beautiful, and the reason I read the three verses after that, back in Old Testament times, God's relationship with his chosen people was different. He had this thing, he repented the Lord, he wanted to destroy them all. And we know that uh, the house of Israel was God's uh, wife. Uh, God's wife committed adultery over and over and over again. So he wrote a bill of divorcement. And there was a pattern of that in people in uh, the nation of Israel, that they could write a bill of divorcement and annul that marriage. This is Old Testament. Praise the Lord, we're in New Testament. There's no more writing of a bill of divorcement. Marriage is until death you do us part. And, uh, and the relationship with God and his church is no longer to be broken. It's there. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit. He will not write a bill of divorcement to his church, his chosen people. He, um, he has committed himself to his church. So that's why I read the next few verses. The relationship between God's chosen people is different now. It's through the Spirit. And that is wonderful. Even though uh, we can see that people around us, there's wickedness and imaginations and all those things, but when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have that close, eternal, continual relationship with God. And, uh, and it's truly wonderful that uh, he, he will not be in a position now where he'll, uh, um, as a result of repenting that he made man, that he will destroy uh, mankind, his chosen people on the earth. He will come back. Uh, where the elements will f- melt with fervent heat, where there will be that final judgment and we'll all be raised up to meet him in the air. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. But we will always be his chosen people, his children. That eternal relationship. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Matthew 24 and verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It will happen the same way. Uh, people will be going about their lives, doing their thing, 
you know, uh, giving in marriage and uh, getting married, eating and drinking, having a good time, having a bad time. There's a time for everything. Uh, and then uh, when people, when we least expect it, that's when the Son of Man will come back, just like the flood came uh, in Noah's time. So the encouragement there is to always be ready, always be ready, waiting for the Lord to come back. Uh, that is uh, the wonderful hope we have. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Few scriptures here. I remember uh, when I was asked to give my first talk. Um, it was just fantastic that we can cheat. We just read the Bible, <laughs> and that's all you want to hear is we just want to hear me read the Bible, don't you? So I've got a few scriptures to go through. Second uh, Timothy chapter three. Excuse me. In verse one. Second Timothy chapter three, and verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, incontinent is uh, without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, Traitors, heady, uh, uh, where uh, people are reckless, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. An interesting little uh, comment there after that, those list of things, you know, uh, from such turn away. We're being separate, we're holy, we have a different life to lead. Don't get entangled in those things, you know, and especially the one, that last one, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I, was, I, um, I have uh, no input in the, um, the testimony or the, the, the article that is put in the newsletter, and I was pleased to see that what was put there in the newsletter uh, was all about not, into, not forgetting about the power the power and the miracles that come as a result of working uh, for God. And let us not be in a position where we deny the power thereof. It's amazing supernatural power that we're a part of. Um, you know, even speaking in tongues. You know, it's out of this world. It's, uh, it's from a place that is bizarre. Speaking in tongues, we know what it means. We've got a frame of mind to know what it means. Um, and laying on of hands and watching people recover. That's amazing. Phenomenal stuff. Being raised from the dead. That's supernatural power. Let us not forget or deny even the power thereof. Uh, we have a form of godliness because we are the children of the living God. We're walking in spirit and truth, praying, reading, fellowshipping. We go to church, you know. We have a form of godliness, but let us not deny the power thereof and get entangled in these other things. Those, those lists of items there, because we know that, in, as it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. We, uh, we need to stay together, support each other. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 1. 1 Timothy Chapter 2 and verse 1. I exhort, encourage, 
Therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So here's an important thing, and it's, it's a major part of the philosophy in the Revival Fellowship, is uh, that we pray for those that are in authority. You know, it says for kings, but we pray for the prime minister, we pray for the presidents, we pray for those that are, are in authority, um, that, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And so we understand that they are tumultuous times, these are our times, we have a bigger picture now, we pray for those that are in authority. Uh, and the reason being, not only that we lead a peace, quiet and peaceable life, it's good and acceptable in the sight of God. God wants us to do that. God wants us to pray for those in our authority. It says elsewhere that God actually puts them in authority for a reason. And so we don't understand the reason. We're just little, for want of a better word, plebs. You know, uh, yeah, there's, we have the occasional plebiscite where uh, we get to put in our vote, but we go about our business uh, serving the Lord and we're praying for these people that God puts in authority that then pass down instruction, example, laws, acts of parliament, whatever, uh, that uh, it's good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Saviour, to pray for those people. It's, a, it's part of our testimony to not uh, fight against the, uh, the statutes that, uh, that govern, governments impose or um, encourage. Okay, And uh, it's our duty to uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life because um, that's what we want. We want that. We know we're born, we lead our lives, we die. <laughs> so let us lead a quiet and peaceable life doing the work of the Lord uh, because in verse 4, uh, he'll have all men to be saved. It's our testimony, you know, our testimony of um, strength, you know, to... Uh, to um, for want of a better word, like blindly obeying the laws of the land. Okay, that's what they said. We're doing it. Uh, just keeping it simple and, uh, and it's a good testimony uh, for those, for others to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, or without your father knowing? Verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Okay, and that's what I kind of pressed upon last week as well, is not to be afraid. You know, we are the children of the living God. The encouragement here is not to worry, 
not to fear. Um, fear God. It says there, fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body, but not not uh, that which is able to kill the body or harm the body. That's not where our fear belongs. It belongs with the Lord. The fear of the Lord uh, is, uh, is a good thing. And so uh, we, we go about this and realising as well that, look, even two sparrows, tiny little birds, which can be a pest, <laughs> but when one of them falls to the ground, God knows about it, okay? He, know, he's got, he counts the hair on our head. He knows us so intimately and cares for us so much, the apple of his eye, where the, um, uh, he, he draws us under the wings like a, like a hen does. Uh, cares for us so much so that uh, we don't need to worry about those things that could harm the body. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And that, of course, is a reference to the COVID injections. Um, Hebrews chapter 10. There's all sorts of ideas out there, and I was uh, hesitant early on because um, it was very quick how it was developed. Um, but um, in obedience to the recommendations of the government at time, and even some in some places it's mandated, uh, so it's getting close to that. In all humility, uh, we obey uh, these things. Um, we don't get caught up into arguments and discussions. It's not law yet. So it's still up to the individual to choose. Uh, but when it is law, we obey those laws of the, uh, the government. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Okay, it's a good thing. So provoking, stirring up unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So even in these times, as I've referred to a couple of times already, and here it is in the Bible, encouraging each other, provoking each other, stirring everyone up to love and good works, especially since we see the day approaching. When we see tumult around us, that's the time to come together and support and encourage because we only come together like this occasionally during the week and then we scatter back amongst it all again. We, we have phones and all those things to keep in touch and uh, we know people live, we can visit and so forth uh, and, and still encourage each other to, uh, to keep going and keep uh, looking to the Lord and uh, keeping our relationships simple. Uh, that's what the Lord's asking us, uh, so that we can uh, lead a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, Romans chapter 8, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but encouraging one another. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a rhetorical question. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? We see that around us today. As it is written, 
For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We lay our life down. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that is amazing encouragement. Nothing, nothing at all can separate us uh, from the love of God, that, uh, that deep love that God has for us. Nothing at all. And there's a fair old list there. Uh, it basically covers everything. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, we will always be able to rely on and grab hold of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, um, there's, uh, there's great uh, confidence that is gained from that. Any child that's brought up in a loving family has confidence as a direct uh, result of that. We are God's children and we are being brought up, spiritually speaking, in a loving environment. So we have that confidence we can always call on our Father. Okay? John chapter 13, the penultimate scripture. John chapter 13. John 13. And verse 34, John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So it's like this stamp that's uh, kind of on us, that if we show love one to another, that's proof that we are his disciples. That's our testimony. You know, our testimony is to have love one to another. And that love includes support, that includes contact, it includes all these things coming together uh, to meet and uh, washing each other's feet. That is proof that we are his disciples because we are putting things into practice uh, as we see the day approaching. Last scripture, Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. And verse 8. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8 to finish up. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Fear of, sorry, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. It's funny that those three verses could be flipped around and we start with verse 10 stating that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, So we've got that foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the fear of other things, the fear of the Lord. And as a result, we have that beginning of wisdom, I suppose you could say like a mustard seed, 
bit of wisdom. And we have that wisdom that when we are rebuked by the Lord, uh, we, we love him uh, as a result of that training and uh, that learning. We, we get instruction. We are wise people that get instruction from the things of the Lord and we, be, we grow more and more in wisdom. We are taught in these things. We are taught to understand our times. We are taught how to, um, how to hold ourselves. You know, it's quite remarkable, the instruction that's in the Bible that passes all time uh, to, to help us to, to be wise, to be a good testimony, to, uh, to know what to do. And it's still, I've said this before, but I, I don't mind saying it again. I, I just loved it when I was talking to someone recently and they just frankly said, it's a good feeling when we know we're doing the right thing. And I really praise the Lord for that. Like Suzette with her testimony, I was filled with the Holy Spirit for seven years. And I didn't know what to do, didn't have a clue. Um, but I knew there was something about the Bible. And then when I came to the Revival Fellowship and I was told what to do, it was such a good feeling to know that I was doing the right thing. That's freedom. That's a, that's a relief. And uh, so there's that wisdom. We, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and we build on that. We are taught and we're trained uh, and we're given instruction. We're increasing in learning. And it makes us more comfortable about what's going on around us, knowing that he's got it all in hand. You know, these are our times. These are our times that we live in. These are our times that we do the work that the Lord's asked us to do. Okay, thank you.